Revealing truth by exposing lies. What does that mean? That means that on this podcast, we're going to talk about a variety of subjects, but we have an intention in mind, and that is to move beyond political ideology, religious dogmatism, tribalism, and nationalism, even beyond personal opinion, beyond false authorities that so many people don't even question, and taking you, the audience, someplace that you may not be quite ready to go, to that place beyond us and them. This is Two Dimwits. We are two political idiots who want to discuss politics and religion. Dwight Hignite on the left, Mark Matthews on the right. Thank you for joining us as we find common ground between the far left and the far right. Okay, so we're still in the process of learning uh, our, how we're going to use our audio equipment. Mm, yeah. And uh, we're still learning, uh, what we're trying to come up with content for our radio show. This is a podcast called Dim Wits. Mm. Um, I'm sitting on the right of my friend, Dwight Hignite from high school. Mm. And uh, he's on my left, which That's, seems appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we have... Um, we just recorded a, a brief um, brainstorming session, and we got a lot of ideas flowing. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't think that recording is going to be viable. I think we've mm. lost it. Yeah. So we might want to touch on a few subjects as we continue on. Okay. Um, but in the future, we'll make a, a better effort to do dual recording so we don't lose anything. Because yep. I really enjoy uh, the conversations that you and I have. I feel like you know we're able to take... Uh, the subjects that divide people mm-hmm. and find the common ground. Yeah. Um, so it, it, but you know, you made a, uh, you made an interesting statement. You said, you know, people aren't interested in common ground. You know, like, you know, when we were talking before, you were saying if you had a, a radio show and the, the name of the show was Common Ground, nobody would really uh, be interested in tuning in. Why do you think that is? Well, because I think you're right. I think that uh, we, we have. You know, we're so used to being uh, on one side or the other, and whenever you're, whenever you're completely on the left, and um, you know, you think that anything that comes out of a Republican's mouth is automatically wrong, or someone on the right's mouth is automatically wrong, you feel justified, you feel vindicated, and you feel powerful. And I'm assuming that it's probably the same way on the right. And um, well, you don't have to assume. I mean, uh, people, (laughs) you know, people have made millions of dollars writing books called uh, "Liberalism is a Psychological Disorder." Yeah, yeah, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Right. So they've put it out there as a meme, uh, Mm -hmm. or you know, that you should uh, disregard people who don't hold your opinion because they're mentally defective in some way. And so you know, we don't need to give them equal time, really. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, the the left uh, is also the same way. Uh, you know, there's some. Uh, I remember hearing some reports on uh, universities where uh, far right speakers uh, would come to talk, and the universities actually banned them from speaking. Um, as a left wing uh, Democrat, I think that's a shame. We still live in a country. How are you going to know 
if your if your position is right, if you can't allow it to be challenged, uh, whenever you're holding a position that is not um, that you do not allow anyone to challenge, then you live in a dictatorship, like Nazi Germany, like the Soviet Union. Um, in this country, we have freedom of speech, uh, or we're supposed to. And um, I enjoy talking with Mark because he challenges me. I have to defend what I believe. And it strengthens my position, but it also gives me an opportunity to understand that maybe there's some situations that I need to change. And it also gives me an opportunity to actually believe that he and I may be on the same page on a few of these things. You know, it's interesting because I kind of view it as being a... Um um, a sphere or a circle, because when you go far enough to the left or far enough to the right, you end up back in the same place where you find common ground. You end up uh, agreeing on things. And um, this is one of the reasons why uh, the political um, system is the way it is. They want to keep us confined to left and right, mm -hmm. and they because that's a control mechanism. It's a menu control. Yep. And uh, so you have the super capitalists, the elite, the, the ones that are running the show. The 1%. They, the one percent can mm -hmm. can manipulate a system when there's when everybody has to line up and be either red or blue, and they don't have a choice. And there's really no choice. Um, so no it's not a true democracy uh, in that sense. We talked about that. You know, yep. your view of democracy would be that um, you could be represented, and yeah. there would be someone to represent you. Yep. And um, you know, I was a big supporter of Ron Paul. Um, yeah, I figured you would be. Yeah, I was a big <laughs> follower. I mean, you know, he was like my personal Jesus Christ. You know? And I mean, I didn't agree. I didn't disagree with anything he said. And like, I, I was, uh, I led a group in Las Vegas, and we had the largest meetup group in the country. And uh, people flocked to Vegas when we had events. Uh, we hmm. would announce it, and we got like 3,000 people to walk up down the street holding signs that said Ron Paul. It was awesome. Wow. And we, we put banners across the freeway, and, you know, we didn't care if it was illegal. And, hmm. we, you know, they wanted us to have a license to walk down Las Vegas Boulevard. We had to go to the city to get a license. We said, screw you. <laughs> that sounds you like know? a libertarian. Yeah, so we're, you know, <laughs> those were the good old days. And, but that was the only time in my life where I felt like uh, a political candidate for high office represented me. Yes, and in 2016, it was the only time in my life where, when Bernie Sanders ran, that I actually felt like a political candidate running for president represented me. Only time in my life, ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting uh, uh, statement. I mean, you know, we're 50 years old. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. And um, so, but yes, you know, it's funny to sit here because, you know, when, um, you know, uh, up until a few weeks ago, I, you know, you were a distant memory because we we were we were in high school together. That was thirty three years That's ago. A long time, a lot of water under the bridge. But like you said, you know, we had this um, attraction. This uh, there was a some appeal that brought us together. We kind of sat at a table um, in the high school there in the cafeteria where nobody else would associate. We were a pariah. You were a pariah. I was a pariah. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. The only thing that we had in common at that table was we had nothing in common. Right. Yep. I mean, <laughs> there was you, there was me, there was uh, our buddy Jimmy, and, yep, yep. you know, he didn't care about politics. No, no. And Jimmy wanted to go fishing. That's, that's what it. his deal was. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to drink beer, go fishing, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, chase the girls, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, and then there was a couple other guys who wanted to chase girls, so mm -hmm. they had that in common. Of course, we did some of that as well. Yeah, but well, that's we, kind we, of... You know, that's part of being 17. That's part of yeah. being 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the, the high school was divided into different cliques. You know, you, yep. had the, you had the jocks, you had the, uh, 
uh, I don't know, preppies, I don't know what else you would call it, the other groups, you know, stoners maybe. Um, yep. Oh, yeah, we had some friends uh, from that group. One one of them found his way into our he life. He did. Yeah. So, um, but again, the thing is, we had nothing in common. That was mm-hmm. our, and, and so there was a certain um, appeal to that. And I don't know if that's, if you went to every high school in America, do you think you would find that that's the, plays out the same way where people divide into cliques? And, uh, yeah. You know, I, with the, the degree in, in uh, community counseling that I have and the experience working in a high school system for the past nine years, absolutely. Um, it's natural for young people to divide into cliques. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural part of human growth and development. Is it also natural that there would be one misfit group on the... On absolutely. The, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Every time there's one. Now, I'm wondering about these, these misfits. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if there was a way to, to, uh, to, if you could keep track of them. Now, this is going to sound like a big brother thing, so I apologize mm-hmm. in advance. But if, if it, That's not socialism, by the way. Go ahead. If you, could, uh, if, you, if you were tracking people and you said that this person was in this clique in high school or this person was a misfit in high school or whatever, mm-hmm. could you then predict their, uh, their development in society? and work, you know, I mean, Would it be useful in any way? You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there might have been some research done into that, but I, I, uh, I really can't answer that. I know the only thing I can know from is from personal experience. And, you know, when we were in high school, we had what I called super preppies. And that means their parents were rich and had businesses and they made straight A's and they wore brand new clothes all the time. And they were the king and queen of the prom and they were the high school quarterback and the cheerleading captain or whatever. And here in Silent Springs, 33 years later, there's many of them that are still living in nice big houses, and now they're running their, their parents' business, and here we go. But uh, other folks, hard to say. So I, I, that's, a very good, that's a very good question. It would be something to be worth looking up to see if there's been any studies done. Um, it's possible. Yeah, you know, in Israel, they do uh, keep track of things like this. They, hmm. I don't know if you're aware of this, but they give everybody, it's like a social security number only, it's more like a Bitcoin address. It's like this long number, and uh, it keeps track of, um, of all kinds of psychological information. It's not just, it's a psychological profile is what it is. Hmm. And so it's more than a biometric type uh, of identifier. It, hmm. it, based on this number, they can uh, predict many different things. I, I suppose they could probably predict who's more likely to be a serial killer and who isn't. Well, um, with the algorithms that we have now and the computer systems, I have no doubt. And I think we're moving in that direction. Hmm. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing that uh, c- communist states like China would do, you mm-hmm. know, or... Uh, Places like um, Cuba, if they had the technology and the inclination. You China, know. China actually has a system now that is a uh, is social media, and they are experimenting with um, uh, can you know using the amount of likes that you have and how popular you are on social media, with the amount of credit that you have and where you get to live and what kind of job that you have. It's it's an experiment. Oh yeah, that's that true. Doing. Right Have now. you heard about their new um, social app that they promote now? That's uh, what it does. Is it it, it you? You have it on your smartphone, and it tells you who's around you that hasn't uh, that has bad debt or you know hasn't paid their credit bill, and so it's a way to shame people. Hmm. into being, uh, you know, oh, you didn't pay your bills, and, you know. I wouldn't have any friends at all then. (laughs) (laughs) But 
So you, my, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that you have uh, technology um, that's being used by uh, governments to try to control people. We were talking about how the, the political system is not truly democratic, and mm -hmm. you have two parties, uh, you know, the Republicans and Democrats, that everybody has to line up with. And so that provides a menu control. And um, just to refer back to an earlier conversation, this is, um, uh, brings up the whole idea of the Hegelian dialectic. And uh, now Hegel was a German philosopher, and he was very influential, I, I believe, in um, affecting you know, Karl Marx's idea of when he wrote the Communist Manifesto and then uh, Eric Engels, because you hear the word dialectic uh, being used a lot. And uh, what does this mean, dialectic? Um, well, if you trace it back to its source, you go back to Hegel, and he talked about this dia uh, dialectic. And basically, he put forward this idea. He called it the, um, th the, the thesis and antithesis and synthesis. So there were so there were three elements, and this was uh, the way he believed that history uh, was moving forward. He called it the dialectic. Um, so you, in other words, if you wanted to influence a, a group of people um, to go in a direction that perhaps they don't want to go, then um, you you put out this um, thesis, which is we want them to go into the corral. We want the cattle in the corral, and then to, in order to facilitate that, you have to create a uh, uh, antithesis or something that says, you know, being outside the, 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 um, is bad. You know, maybe you crack the whip or you make a loud noise or, or you cause an explosion or you fly two planes into a building. I don't know. Um, whatever it is. That, that is definitely a subject for another podcast right there. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of the, uh, Northwoods document? No, I don't think so. Yeah, this was an attempt to try to, you know, there's always been these attempts. Oh, yes, I have. Have yes, you? Yes, I have, yes. It was uh, an attempt to create a false flag situation where um, there would be a crisis in the United States and that Cuba right. would be blamed for it and then we'd be able to justify an invasion of Cuba. Right, right, yeah. Because, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, this was before the assassination of Kennedy and um, it was actually put on his desk and he's like, get this out of here, this, mm -hmm. is, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. But back then they were really anti-Castro and they were just like, mm -hmm. this was the big thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so their idea was they could hijack a couple of planes, fly them into a building and blame Castro. So, um, you know, when 9-11 happened and people were saying, well, no one ever thought of this. Yeah, people did think of it. Yeah, it's been thought of. It was actually even on a TV show, uh, an episode of uh, uh, an X-Files spinoff called The Lone Gunman, I think, is uh, 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 what the name of the show was. So, yeah, it has been thought about. Didn't it that air like a couple of weeks before the event? or It seems like it aired... Uh, Maybe a year or two oh, before okay. it happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure, but yeah. I have a I have another friend that's really into conspiracy theories, and he he was showing me the same. Well, we're just so. brainstorming ideas of things to talk about, and, and that's one of them. We could put that down. Yeah, let's like, put that down. For so we've got economic theories. views, we got religious views, we got political views, we got the whole debate of moral and ethics. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about um, education, mm -hmm. and then we've even got conspiracy yeah, theories we can do on conspiracy here. Conspiracy theories. You know, it's funny that didn't top the list. No, it didn't, and I'm actually very pleased that it didn't. Yeah, uh, I think, and you know, well, again, we can go into this later, but conspiracy theories are fun, but uh, some of them are true. Um, but I, I, my personal opinion is, is, and I've I've talked uh, about this with a with another friend of mine 
who's really into conspiracy theories. Um, I have, uh, you know, when you have a conspiracy theory, you always have to ask yourself these two questions. Uh, who's making money? And who is trying to get their view believed? And um, so when, when you have a conspiracy theory going on, you, you know, you can fact check it. That's number one, of course. And of course, you know, some folks will say, which facts are you using? You know, Donald Trump has alternate facts or something along those lines. But even if in, in, in the world of fake news and in the world of where the truth is really nebulous and facts are hard to find because there's too much information, what I always ask myself whenever I hear a conspiracy theory is who's making money and who is trying to get their political view across by promoting this conspiracy theory. And that's just well, my opinion. You know, wasn't it Hitler the one who coined the phrase conspiracy theory? Probably. I mean, he um, when people were speaking out against the uh, Nazis, and they would say, um, "Oh yeah, the the Reichstag was destroyed by fire, and that was a that was an inside job." Oh, that's mm -hmm. a conspiracy theory. Right. So, so whenever you hear the term conspiracy theory, <laughs> really doing. what it is is the establishment that throws that out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they want to. Uh, they want to play down the idea that that um, such and such happened when it really did. So if they're trying to divert your attention away from it, and they want the majority of the people to get on board with the agenda, then they can minimal uh, they can marginalize the people who are telling the truth by calling them conspiracy theorists. And so that's the history of the term. Mm -hmm. um, so you know uh, what we have. Um, when it comes to the 9-11 was that the conspiracy theory was the official story. The conspiracy theory was that some guys in a cave hijacked a plane. Now, is that believable? Is that even conceivable? I mean, come on. Well, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, yeah, we'll save that. Yeah. We'll save that for another time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll be the, uh, uh, probably the, uh, uh, the skeptic on the conspiracy theory. Well, there needs to be uh, one. You know. Now, of course, unless there's a conspiracy theory that you know comes from the left and proves that you know Karl Marx and Frederick Engels were perfectly right, then I'll believe that one. I, I, I can take that. Well, one. there is a. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be a conspiracy theory. Um, yeah. So, you know, but conspiracies are real things. I mean, people go to That's prison true. and Absolutely. jail for conspiracy. Absolutely. So um, now, what is conspiracy? The word means to conspire together. So mm -hmm. I mean, anytime you get two people together and they agree to break the law um, and and be in cohorts together and and they're going to benefit in some way, um, that's then that's that's a conspiracy. Absolutely. Whether they get prosecuted for it or, not, or is another question. Right. But um, so you know, I think that you know what I have. While we're on the topic of conspiracy theories, I have to say that Americans are more conspiratorial-minded now than ever before. I mean, there's always, there's always been like people who were like uh, interested in knowing why the president, JFK, was assassinated and yes. what was really going on. Mm -hmm. um, and but new information has come to light. Even on the Sirhan Sirhan story, there was a guy who was a news reporter, and he had his tape recorder. Uh, a, a recording, and he was um, unaware that he t didn't turn it off during the assassination. And this this recording turned up like what twenty seven years later. I just heard about it yesterday. Okay. And on this recording, there was something like nineteen shots, and the Sirhan Sirhan's gun could only hold eight. 
you know, or wow. six or whatever. Okay. And and there was another report of a, a, a of a police officer who was present who counted like sixteen holes in the ground. And you know, so um, this is a. Americans are now more interested in the truth than they have been in the past in terms of wanting to know what really happened mm-hmm. versus accepting the official story. And would you agree? I, I would absolutely agree with that. And, and when you know when we're talking about uh, conspiracy theories, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that we get only what we're supposed to hear. Um, the only thing that I would have to say about that is that sometimes, because I, again, uh, being another friend of mine, we've talked about this ad nauseum, you know, on conspiracy theories, but sometimes things just happen. And sometimes there's not a reason behind every event that happens. Uh, some things that happen are not a worldwide conspiracy from a global cabal that has that's a 1%, although I would like to think that because it would make the world make sense for me. Um, that doesn't mean that all the time things are random. That doesn't mean that all the time there's no conspiracy and we can just buy the line that we're sold by CNN or Fox News. But we have to keep in mind that sometimes things just happen. And um, when you're trying to make sense out of a chaotic world, it's natural for the human mind to try to tie things together because the thing that scares us as human beings more than anything else is that the universe is a random and dangerous place and we we have to control or not have to but it's human nature to want to control your environment mark and i are sitting here in this room right now and it's a nice comfortable probably 72 degrees outside it's 30 degrees why because humans need control and so we control our environment and so it's natural, if we're not careful, to always try to find or place a reason behind something that happens. Sometimes there is, but it's not all the time. Well, what you're talking about here is the psychological need uh, to avoid discomfort of not being in control or not. That's be, right. Or and so this is. Um, would you? This kind of leads to the idea of religious views. Um, mm. Let's talk about that briefly. Okay. Um, so we have people who um, adopt a uh, a religious view, and um, maybe they are Muslim. Uh, mm-hmm. Fundamentalist Muslim, mm-hmm. and they, you know, it's their culture, and uh, mm-hmm. they were raised with it, mm-hmm. but they hold on to it all their life, and maybe um, in their forties, they no longer really view uh, it as being literally true. Maybe they never really did, mm-hmm. but they still carry on with the tradition, and um, um, because it's cultural, because their mm-hmm. family uh, holds on to it, and so they try to make it work for them, but they, but. They continue to go through the rituals of praying, and even though they don't necessarily believe in God, right. and so um, now I, I'm describing a Muslim because the people listening to this podcast are probably uh, brought up with Christian moral values right. mm-hmm. and might even call themselves being a Christian. But how many of them are going to realize that immediately that what I'm saying applies to them? Absolutely, and I agree with that 100. percent The problem with religion is it's embedded in culture. And um, real belief is above and free of culture. And, uh, you know, I consider myself to be uh, a Christian, although I don't use the word evangelical, and I really don't even prefer to use the word Christian because it has so many negative connotations. I'm just a follower of a philosopher 
from 2,000 years ago. And uh, I Now, to think would you say that, that this way. this was a, a, a philosopher, someone who was reforming his religion, or do you believe that Jesus Christ was actually divine, the Son of God? I do believe that Jesus Christ was divine and the Son of God. The thing, the reason I said philosopher is I believe that his words are more important than anything else. I believe that his teachings and his teachings on ethics and morality and faith uh, are more important than anything else, than any kind of religion that's been built on that. Um, you know, the, the symbol um, of the cross being the symbol of Christianity. I find that quite funny because it was not the symbol of Christianity until Constantine took it over. Uh, the symbol of Christianity was either a fish or a Cairo, which is uh, two Greek letters uh, meaning uh, king. Uh, the the Chi was for, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Chioda, I believe. The Chi, which looks like an X, was for Christos. And the Iota, uh, which looks like an I with a little hook on it, was for Jesus, which is the Greek name for Jesus, which really is just the Hebrew name Joshua. Uh, so, you know, when... These rooms are shutting down at 3.30. Okay. okay, all right. Thank you. Ooh, we just got told to leave. Um, so when uh, Constantine took it, took it over, he turned what was a beautiful philosophy into a world religion that's now dominated by culture and politics. And much of the message of that philosopher and preacher from 2,000 years ago has been corrupted, polluted, and forgotten. That's my opinion. And that's a, that was a wonderful statement. I don't disagree with any of it. I would have to uh, add a few things. One is that Constantine, uh, you, you said the word Christianity has meant many things over time, and you're kind of uncomfortable with that. Mm. You'd rather call yourself a follower, a disciple, a student, a pupil. Yes. Uh, okay. And and that was the, what the early uh, followers of Christ called themselves. Absolutely. Like, they called themselves disciples. Mm -hmm. the, you know, nobody called themselves a Christian. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, that word didn't come into vogue until much, much later. I think um, in the scripture we we read about it in uh, Acts chapter uh Right, they were called 11. Christians in Antioch, right. and, and that was a mocking term. Yeah, little Christ. Mm -hmm. Little Christ. And, and so the, uh, but it seemed to fit, so they wore it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the best thing to do when you're getting insulted, mm -hmm. is like take ownership of the word, and Absolutely. that's what they did. Absolutely. Um, but we need to understand that Jesus never called anybody to be a Christian, mm -hmm. and that when Constantine legalized Christianity, when he made it a religion, um, he was basically allowing an establishment, which was the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. to be re, uh, reinstituted under this cloak. That's and right. it was for the purpose of going to war. He was an opportunist. Mm -hmm. He saw mm -hmm. the opportunity to go to war. He could baptize his horse before they went into battle. Yeah. What does that tell you? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So the worst thing that ever happened in, Christ in history, really, uh, was to legalize Christianity. Because Absolutely. at that point, it stopped being a faith and started being a religion. That's exactly and, right. And that's when child baptism uh, was instituted, too, yep. because people wanted to become a citizen. You had to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you got that done, the better. Plus, you know, you don't want to go to hell, so sprinkle the child and boom. Right. You know, and it's like nobody even had to be a follower of Christ anymore. Right. As so, long as they were a Christian, as long as they went to that church, as long as they were uh, a member of that religion, then everything was okay. And frankly, that still happens today. Right. So what can we call that? And I have a word that I want to introduce you to. Okay. And that word is, um, let me search for it, um, the, 
the keepers of the of the faith, we the people who want to keep the society in a hierarchical structure, we might call them the custodians. So these they were custodians. The custodians of the establishment stepped in and said, "Okay, we're going to be Christians now." Sounds very conspiratorial, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end there. We'll pick up. We've got a lot to discuss. Yeah, we, we you know, economic views, religious mm-hmm. views, political views. We're not going to skip over, uh, you know, the subject that you want to hear in the, uh, the radio audience. I know you want to hear conspiracy theories. So, yep. yeah, we're going to go there. Yeah. But we're going to talk about a lot more. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm new. That's anchor.fm new to get started.